Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 103 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So thankfully for me, it's a rainy sort of blah day as I record this episode, so I don't mind being inside and I'm not pouring sweat. I'm going to start this episode by remembering something my mother used to say when I was a little girl. She would often say, the backbone of summer has broken. And I think I might have mentioned this in a recent blog. And what she meant was that that 24 hours of hot, oppressive humidity that can go on for endless, endless days in July, sort of goes away as summer winds into fall and you still have hot weather during the day, but at nighttime it cools down, you don't need the air conditioner anymore, a fan will suffice some nights, you don't even need the fan. You have to put a blanket over your legs when you have your coffee on the porch in the morning. And all of this is lovely for the month of October, but my feeling is it's August, damn it. (laughs) And August is for hot muggy weather where you can go outside 24 seven in a tank top and shorts, that's just me. Anyway, but those days are leaving. I'm recording this on August 7th. You'll hear it maybe the 21st, a couple of weeks away. So in the life of Barb Higgins, things are marching on. I'm continuing my rigid sort of diet, exercise, healthy living routine, actually doing quite well. I've lost almost 10 pounds without trying to lose weight at all. Although I'm exercising twice a day for this 75 hard that I'm doing, I can't do two hard workouts a day. I'd get injured or sick. So every day now for 45 minutes, I'm either taking a walk or I'm stretching. Two things that to me never would have counted as a workout, but I realize now that nervous system wise, these are super important pieces of overall fitness. And as a CrossFit coach, the one thing we push is the many realities of fitness and that it isn't all cardio bootcamp style stuff, that there's a lot that goes into being healthy and fit. I'm learning a lot about myself, which is, I think is the whole point of either of these things. And I have to be honest, the hardest part for me is remembering to take the selfie. (laughs) And the other hard part, it would be drinking enough water. But I, I do mine from when I wake up in the morning, once my feet hit the floor, a new day has started. So if I wake up at two or three in the morning and I still have 30 ounces of water to drink, I make sure to guzzle it all down before I get out of bed. So when I wake up, like this morning, I woke up at 6.30 and Gracie brought me a coffee. And before I drank the coffee, I picked up my water bottle and emptied it. And that's the day prior. And then I start my new totals. And I figure a 24-hour period of time is 24 hours, regardless of when it starts. So that's how I've been doing it. At any rate, it's interesting. Yesterday, I went to visit little A. She's somebody that I met when she was a freshman in high school. Her daughter, Molly Grace, is named after my Molly and my Gracie. She was their first babysitter. We had a wonderful visit. They moved back to Maine. She has two daughters, Molly and Charlotte. They're adorable. So we had a nice time. Jack had a blast. But in terms of getting two workouts in, it was just a busy day. I had a CrossFit coaches meeting in Amesbury. Then we drove to Biddeford. You know, it was a long day. So my workouts were 45 minutes of stretching during a meeting. So I just never stopped stretching throughout the whole entire coaches meeting. And then we got home. It was 7.30 at night. I just sat on the bike and did my reading. (laughs) So I didn't feel like I really worked out. However, I sat on a, on a stationary bike and pedaled for 45 minutes and I stretched for 45 minutes. So I have to sort of learn to let that go. And when I think of, you know, rest and digest, which is where my nervous system needs to be right now, these were two really good things. So that's Barb in a nutshell right now. What am I going to talk about today? 
well, I'm going to talk about this incredible experience I had Saturday night, August 5th. So those of you that follow the Molly B Foundation know that we are the company sponsor for a youth theater company called RB Productions. And RB Productions was what was Molly's first ever foray into theater. Tried out for Fiddler on the Roof and she was cast as the Fiddler. So she was a boy in Fiddler. She had the most wonderful time, I will tell you. And it was life-changing for her. And I've talked about that. Back as a theater mother at the time, I thought this meant all through their high school years and college years, we'd be involved in theater. Not knowing that really what theater did for Molly was set her up for a wonderful theatrical exit into heaven. And what it did for Gracie was set up a community for her that would be unbelievably supportive in the wake of Molly's death. The theater community and the dance community have rallied around us tenfold. So the Molly B Foundation supports RB production. And here's how that works. The summer of 2018, RB did a main stage production, which means it's just anyone could try out, adults, children. It did Mary Poppins. So I auditioned. It was 2018. We had just settled our lawsuit. And that was really when the finality of everything hit me. Molly's death, the sort of the ending of what I thought at the time was my relationship with Roy, my life as I knew it. And, you know, even though logically I knew Molly was dead, when you're in a lawsuit for two years talking about the last months of her life, what you're talking about is alive Molly. You're not talking about dead Molly. And so in the very, very, very broken heart and mind of a mother or a sibling or father who's lost Molly, you sort of had this belief that one day she's just going to walk up the driveway and arrive. And we all felt that way. And so the lawsuit settlement was tough. And that was the summer of Mary Poppins. And I remember driving home from Disney in April, Michaela Judge was in the car with us. And I said to Gracie, I'm going to audition. I signed up to audition for Mary Poppins. And Gracie's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm done with theater. Theater was really hard for Gracie. And I have to honor the fact that she followed through and did Elf the summer that Molly died. They were supposed to do it together. And then she did costuming during James and the Giant Peach. And those were the two shows that Molly and Gracie were supposed to do it together. So that summer, 2018, I was a mess. I was really trying to pull myself together. I was heavily, heavily drinking and using other drugs at the time. I was just a disaster. And the finality of Molly's death hit me. During that summer, I also started watching, you know, I was on my phone all the time because I lived in my grief groups for other mothers and parents and families that have lost children. So I was on my phone all the time. I was outside because I couldn't stand being in the house. I was so heavy. The summer of 2018, I was 165 pounds. It was the heaviest I got after Molly died. And so I did a couple of things. I did Mary Poppins. Gracie ended up auditioning as well. I paid $500 that I hardly had to do a fitness challenge in my CrossFit gym. That if you lost 20 pounds in the six-week challenge, you get your money back. Well, you really don't get your money back. What you get is three free months of the gym after the challenge, which is still awesome. So I signed up for the class to try to lose weight. And so I signed up for that with Robin. And in that challenge, he's supposed to quit drinking. So I cut way down on the alcohol. I didn't quit, but I cut down significantly. I made a commitment to try to get off the, off the heavy medications I was on or the drug use. I knew that things with Robin were getting tense because we had settled the lawsuit and found out you know, the money stealing, all the things that a common friend of ours was trying to pull over our pull on us at the time. So all of this was coming to a head. I had a bit of money now. So I had re-signed up for all of the testing to have a baby. I didn't know about the brain tumor yet. This was all prior to that. And I started seeing Karen Kenny on her Facebook lives. These are things that she's done on and off for a long time. She's done a lot of different things. And we've been connected by a social media for a long time. 
And so I started just seeing her lives and responding to them and all this. And so I signed up for spiritual mentoring and it was a big chunk of money that you sort of paid up front. But I just felt the rumblings in my belly, I think. Like, you know, when there's a tsunami, a big, huge wave, tidal wave, and the water disappears and all the water's gone for a while. So, you know, something is, is going to happen. I think that's how I felt. It was just a rumbling inside of me. Something wasn't right. So in that summer, in my time with Mary Poppins, the director was a guy named Jim Spiegel. And he directed this play, A Chorus Line, by Sam Castle Productions, which was a local theater company he started like in 1990, I think. And it lasted for a little over a decade. And they provided main stage productions. And I think they provide, did a youth show so that there was more community opportunities for children other than just the committee players, which is a local theater company in Concord. And they have three options a year, two camp options and one fall play for young people. But, you know, that's a lot of young people put into three productions, yes. So I was having a particularly bad evening and I was a mess and the finality of the lawsuit was there. And he knew he could sense that something wasn't right with me and we sat down and I talked about how ugly I felt for signing off on a money thing. Like, what do, how do I make this money not disgusting? In complete honesty with me, he just said, you use the money to do things Molly would have wanted to do or would want you to do. You turn it around and you make it matter. And so I sat there for a minute and I just said to him, what about giving it to RB? I could give some money to RB and then RB would be here forever. So of course, <laughs> he's not going to say no to that. You know, he's not in charge of RB by any rate, but I mean, it was, it was a huge turning point for me. And so when the months went by and the months went by and then we finally realized we were going to actually get our settlement money, Paul Clint close and had to meet me at the bank and he couldn't even take the money that day. But that was when we were cutting the check and making it happen. And it was a whole series of steps that I'm not going to give the amount of money, but it was a significant amount of money that you can't just write a check and hand it over. It goes through all these different processes. And they're a 501c3, so they have certain ways they have to accept the money. But I have a picture of Clinton myself, and it's the winter of 2019. I am bald because I've had a brain tumor taken out of my head. I have a giant scar. I look awful. And it's Clinton and I in the bank, you know, just side by side, having just given RB this money. And it was the only time, it's one of the few times I have felt okay about the money. I've helped a considerable number of people at Molly B Money. And some of it I feel super good about. Some of it I realize perhaps I was a bit taken advantage of, but this is a learning process for me. And so I can't look at any of it with regret. I have to just look at it, take a breath, learn from it, and do it better next time. The RB piece has been a lifeline for me because what happens is it gives me this positive, open way to talk about Molly, where I'm not just belaguring my dead kid where I'm talking about what she got out of RB and what she liked. So RB Productions was put together and grown in the fall of 2002, 2003. Well, Molly B was put together and grown in the fall of 2002 and the spring of 2003. It was born April 1st. RB's first summer season was the summer of 2003. So that's a connection to me that's significant. It's one of those little, I call it a God wink. It could just be a coincidence, whatever. Both Molly and RB were thought up and birthed at the same time. It would take Molly 11 years to find RB, and she would only experience two shows from it, other than going and watching a ton of others. But it was life-changing for her, and it gave her a place. And she felt that she had found her people. And so when I really started to learn more about RB Productions, the RB is Ryan Brown. And Ryan Brown was a high school senior at Bow High School, I believe. I think he is instrumental in starting their theater program at that high school. He was living in Concord when he was young and he, Clint Close was his music teacher. And he got into the student actors program at Beaver Meadow School, which was just what it was. Beaver Meadow put on these amazing shows. He wanted to go to the theater elementary school and he used to go to Beaver Meadow. 
The shows were amazing. Cliff Close, John Haytab, these fabulous, fabulous teachers that spent hours of their lives dedicated to theater opportunities for children. And then when he moved out of town, he made sure to do whatever he could community theater-wise. So his senior year, I think a lot of his summer things were through Sandcastle. And when Sandcastle was now going to stop existing, he thought, this isn't okay. I, I love theater. Theater was his life. It remains his life. 20 years later, he is still living his life as a theater person. When they all got together, his parents, Clint Close, Roger Brooks, who was the principal of Beaver Meadow at the time, they put together this theater company, RB Productions. And for many years, it ran out of Beaver Meadow School. And as it grew and became increasingly popular, they thought, wouldn't it be good to have a summer series where there was more than one week offered rather than one play all summer? It became one week intensives. And then you could have three or four shows a summer. And it moved to the Capital Center for the Arts and became what Molly and Gracie knew it to be. What's not lost on me and what I spoke about. So there was a 20 year celebration of RB Productions at, at the Bank of New Hampshire stage in Concord. And I would say maybe 150 people showed up. I went with Gracie, Jack, and Kenny. I listened to all the different people talk about RB and their experiences with RB. And my task was to simply say, what does RB mean to me? So I'm not a good speech writer. I sort of have to speak from my heart, which, which can be a bit of a loose cannon, if you know what I mean, because who knows what my heart's going to say. I think it came about all right. It might have been a little intense and heavy, but you know what? Losing a child is intense and heavy. And all that the theater did for us leading up to Molly's death and after her death was intense and heavy. And that's a piece of it. And so I talked about my own experiences in theater and how they came to me in my life at times where I was struggling and looking for an outlet or a place where I felt safe and protected in, in one of a bigger group. And that was the theater. I talked about the book, The Body Keeps the Score and how along with EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy and yoga and mindfulness and body awareness and psychotherapy, the number five thing that helps trauma survivors deal with their trauma, theater, theater. And what is it about theater that does that? Number of things. You're surrounded by a group of people with a common goal. You leave your personal self and status at the door and you come in and work as one of a working functioning unit. You get to be up on stage, somebody completely different than yourself and you're cheered for it. And the better you do it not being yourself, the more applause you get. For somebody who struggles with who they are based on a traumatic past, this is like a godsend. <laughs> Yay, I don't have to be me. And then the other piece is through acting out other people and other characters, you can start to see the similarities, how much of you is in your character and how much of your character exists in you. It's unbelievable. So I talked about that. I talked about how Gracie and Molly utilized the theater as a place to feel accepted and comfortable, that, that even though neither of them had leading roles, that they, they knew that their piece of the bigger picture was important. They met friends there that Gracie maintains to this day. I talked about my own theater involvement, how important Jim's treatment of me was when I was struggling. I talked about my own trauma. I didn't go into my trauma, but I talked about how I was a soprano singing maiden and a tenor singing pirate, you know, a year apart in that there was a piece of barb in each of those characters. But my wrap up to RB Productions and what it means to me and to the Molly B Foundation was Ryan in that what was important to him was his place to belong. And he wasn't thinking 20 years down the road. He was thinking that his last summer as a resident of New Hampshire before he went off to do whatever he was doing, needed to have a theater experience. And if he needed it, then other kids needed it. And he had an amazing group of adults around him that made it happen, not knowing how vitally important that would be 
11 years later, 12 years later, 13 years later, for Molly and Gracie Banzoff and the whole Banzoff family, that it would provide community to put together her memorial service. It would provide a community to support Gracie and me and Kenny. And it would provide a vehicle through which we could continue to share Molly in ways that make us happy and keep us close to her and her close and still a pulse in the community and encourage and provide opportunities for others. Why am I sharing all this? I believe that as intense and unscripted as my talk was, it was well-received. I got a lot of accolades for it afterwards. And again, the biggest thing is I don't want to insult or offend anybody. But I had a long hug with Ryan Brown. <laughs> I'm getting teary-eyed now because I just, I just think of what you are when you're a high school senior, an arrogant 18-year-old, right? Damn it, I'm going to have what I want. And he created a situation for students and for young people that is unparalleled in our community. I have to say the Palace Theater does a youth theater program in Nashua. There's Peacock Players. The Children's Theater Project is a branch of the community players in Concord. New Hampshire and the greater New Hampshire community is amazing at providing theater opportunities for kids. Here's what I'm noticing with the Molly B Foundation. And, and as I continue to support things like RB Productions and Concord Dance Academy and, and buying musical instruments for children and, and facilitating t-shirts because you know, you shouldn't not buy a t-shirt because you can't afford it, right? What I'm learning is that I can provide a lot of things financially through the Molly B Foundation. But unless a student sees themselves as viable and necessary in the program, they're not even going to know that they have the opportunity to do it. So I do a scholarship for every show at RB. And this year, only one student applied for a scholarship. So what this tells me is that, that the Molly B Foundation needs to take that next step. The Molly B Foundation needs to bring theater into every elementary school in Concord or the greater Concord area. The Molly B Foundation needs to facilitate RB's growth as a children's theater company in Concord so that a student that might never in a million years see themselves on stage suddenly has the opportunity to be on stage. I just feel so supportive of that. And that maybe ultimately, whatever the Molly B Foundation puts together for youth theater in the schools in, in Concord could be a statewide program that could grow and send similar people to the players at the Palace Theater and to the Peacock players in Nashua. You know, provide things like, you know, get the Molly Mobile, find old school bus and kids that could never get a ride to the end of camp because their parents don't have cars. Like I'm just, I'm really just thinking outside the box now of things I would like to do, but I've been revitalized. I've had more Molly dreams and had Molly in my head the last few days than I have in a long, long time. I have felt anxious and sad. I miss her like crazy. But I just know that I have this feeling underneath me, this welling up of me, just like there's some impending tornado coming, something big is coming or can come, and that, that I have the ability to facilitate it if I'm ready to do it. You know, in 2018, what was coming was my brain tumors and everything else. And I look back on that now. I look back on how I felt at the end of June, auditioning for Mary Poppins, signing up for the weight loss challenge, signing up and paying thousands of dollars for a spiritual mentorship, all between June 1st and August 1st. And then August to December, going off all of the medication I was on, all of it, having such face pain that I knew I needed to have a brain surgery to fix my mouth. Finding out I have three brain tumors, having them all taken out. Talk about purifying myself. Talk about clearing myself of the, of the cobwebs before getting into cutting my head open twice, right? Like, like I look at it now and I just feel there has to be some sort of universal intervention. I'm a little religion shy right now. I just have a hard time with it, basically because of what humankind does with religion. But I am not God shy at all. 
or universal love shy. And I'm not science shy. And so I look at all that was going on in my life at that time. I just see actions of others and the responses of others and who my people are and who I should look to for this kind of support. And so I'm sitting here now in, in mid-August in my still messy office, again, sometimes making excuses for myself for not getting things done, but really realizing that I'm here and I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Molly B Foundation to really take off in a way that an official 501c3 can, where it stops being a t-shirt scholarship foundation and it becomes a theater company foundation. It becomes a program for treating children with traumatic pasts. It becomes a way to create equitable joy for all kids, no matter what color, size, nationality, class, financial background you come from, no matter what your native language is or how you view yourself when you're within a mirror, that whoever you are and whatever you are, you can get up on stage with a group of people and find joy. And, and I get excited about it because it's what Molly got. You know, Molly, when, when you talk to a lot of people who knew Molly from afar, they looked at her as beautiful, which she was. She thought she was ugly. They looked at her as confident, which she put forth. She was very insecure. They looked at her as all together and solid. And she was a hot mess a lot of the time. They are always amazed to find out that she was none of those things, that she just wanted to fit in. And I've said this before, and I'll share it again, but one of my last meaningful conversations with Molly before she died, and it was the one that ended with me thinking, what if this is the last time I have watched her walk into school? And it was the last time. I ever watched her walk into school. We talked about the fact that she she realized it now. She, mommy, I get it. I don't have to sit at one table in the cafeteria. If I fit in totally at one table, then that's who I am, just those 10 people. And I can sit at a lot of tables. I don't always fit in 100%, but I'm not, a, I'm not unwelcome. I have friends at every table. And I shared with her that I didn't get that way until my senior year. And you know what got me that way? Theater. My senior year in high school, I tried out for the musical Oliver, and then I tried out for the competition play Bus Stop and had incredible success in both of those arenas. In 10th grade, it was joining the track team that gave me a sense of belonging. And I will say a well-run athletic program, a well-run theater program, a well-run dance company provide the same thing. They provide a community with a common goal and teach teamwork and sportsmanship and the ability to work together. And so all of those things you know, helped Molly. But in Molly's life, with all the years she had of dance, it was when she found theater that she truly felt she had found her people. She had a lot of connection with dance, but there was a competitive edge to it that was difficult on Molly. She often felt that kids got bullied or insulted or, or not treated well because they didn't dance as well as others. And, you know, when you're in a competitive program, you have to showcase your best dancers. And that can be hard for kids that aren't the best dancers to, to manage. So, I had this amazing weekend. I gave this amazing talk. Well, amazing in the sense that I got to stand up in front of people and talk about Molly. And I do feel that it went well. Another thing that happened this past week is I recorded a TV show with Virginia and a local author named Paul Brogan. He's a sort of a local celebrity. He's very involved in theater and movies and the arts. And he does a TV show on our cable access TV. And so he wanted me on to talk about my book. But I certainly can't talk about Motherland without bringing along Virginia. So oftentimes when somebody ghostwrites a book, they do that secretly. And the person who hired the ghostwriter, their name goes on the book as if they wrote it. So my name is on the book, but I do not hide the fact at all that Virginia and I worked on this together. I did an incredible amount of editing and some, some rewriting of certain passages. And she pretty much transcribed sometimes all of what I said and then organized it in a way that makes sense in a book. So 
I feel that we really were a community effort on this. But the TV show, the recording was wonderful. Once I know what it is, I'll provide a YouTube link on my social media and on my website so that if you're interested, you can take a look at it. It's like 30 minutes. But again, it was an opportunity to talk about what it's like to be the mother of a dead child, what it's like to endeavor to share the story, what it's like to share the story and have to call out a lot of it to keep the focus on track and, and narrow enough to hold the interest of the reader and wide enough to include everything. It's amazing to me. The arts in general is amazing to me. And I look back now at one other thing. When I lost my job in the school district, one of the things I did positively, other than running for school board, was apply to Plymouth State University and get my CAGS, my Certificate of Advanced Graduate Study. And I was just going to do it in educational leadership so I could be a principal or an administrator, which I still can. I have a CAGS. I could do those things. But I took a class, was involved with the arts. and It's a mandatory class. Everyone had to take it. And I totally shone in the class. And the teacher that taught the class said, you are not should not be in administration. You need to be in educational leadership through arts integration. And so I switched to that. So I have an advanced degree, halfway to a doctorate, in utilizing the arts to how to integrate them into educational activities, which is a hugely important piece of making education meaningful. Although algebra, English, and expository writing, and all of those things are important, not what people remember when they look back on their high school and college experiences, are the emotional connections they got from the professors and teachers they learned from. And a lot of that comes from artistic endeavors, musical instruments, books, pictures, drawings, sculpture. You know, we look at all of these things and when you can integrate those into your educational experiences, they just stick better. So why did I choose that? You know, as I try to make sense of Molly's death, which this whole podcast endeavor was the main reason I started, I realized that the universe was getting me ready for it years before she died. Channeling me into a major... That would be arts integration. When I look at her, Molly's foundation is all about integrating kids into the arts, using the arts to help children manage and deal with traumatic pasts and heal their trauma. That's again, too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. You know, I look on that with a measure of happiness. So RB Productions, if you live in and around the New Hampshire area or just New England in general, and you have a love of theater, this is a foundation that along with the Molly B Foundation will be a good one to support. RB has a membership program, which I'm going to be setting up for the Molly B Foundation. Actually, by the time this podcast airs, it might already be up and on the website. If not, keep a lookout for it. But I'm going to start selling memberships to the Molly B Foundation. So it's an easy way to have a tax deductible donation and get a little something for it. I haven't really put together how I want to do that yet. RB has a membership program. You can pay $25 to RB Productions and you're a quote unquote member. You get a newsletter, you get updates and early updates on things that are coming up, and you support a local theater company that is worthy of supporting. The Molly Bead Foundation support of RB provides a financial base for them. And if RB Productions is a big theater, the Molly Bead Production is the, is the granite foundation beneath it. And for example, when COVID hit and everything just stopped, it doesn't stop the expenses. It doesn't stop the things that you've paid for. COVID just stopped what you paid for from being able to happen. And so I've heard from several folks in the RB world that the Molly B Foundation saved RB. Like what could have happened didn't. And they were able to just step back in and pick up where they left off. You know how happy that makes me? Keeping an RB here keeps Molly here. And I know that might sound over simple, but it isn't for me. It, it absolutely isn't. So <laughs> and that's what I wanted to talk about today. The fact that I've taken steps already, big steps to update the website and really get the Molly B Foundation going. I'm going to get my board of directors together once the summer's over and fall starts 
and really put together events coming up. When I look at how successful the RB event was, I know that I could host a similar event at that beautiful stage and have a wonderful turnout. So I'm going to do that. A book is coming and, and you'll be able to sit in the privacy and comfort of your own home and read a pretty painfully honest story of, of one mother's unbalanced life and the death of her child and all that came from it. So that's that. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, just a little podcast. So anyway, I hope your summer is winding down well. As always, you need to be good to yourself, however that is, however that looks for you. I always love to hear from you. Tell me how you're good to yourself because maybe I'll pick up a way that you're good to yourself and you sound myself. Once you've been good to yourself, be good to someone else. Pay it forward, if you will. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at Barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.